I'm Emily and I'm taking my mom to London for a weekend. Those moments were trying to heal us with the pain in our uh, neck, in her neck and my back. And she was um, kind of talking through me about my self-harm and my anxiety. Well, it was an emotional moment. But yes. she was um, talking about Jesus, in Jesus' name, trying to heal us. And um, it was a weird feeling, kind of relief for my body. My arm was like, uh, getting like a sort of ice cold when she was talking to me. But um, yeah, it's a weird experience, but I liked it. I, I felt a, le a lot of warmth and it, uh, also emotional. And a, a, a relief. Yeah. Uh, like for uh, like it's uh, it's okay. That feeling. Very very funny. Yeah. I did believe in something, but I could never really um, tell what it was, what I believe in. But after this, I think I'm kind of starting to believe in Jesus and God and everything. Ooh, brilliant. So, do you want to know something really good? Um, are, this is signing a blank check. Are you free on Friday the 29th and Saturday the 30th of March? Yes. You don't have to lie. You can check your diaries if you like, um, rather than just um, call out. The brilliant news is it's not absolutely definite, but it, it's 99% it's definite that we are going to be, on those two days, training people up for healing on the streets. Okay, the rest of you, we'll let that sink in, that's okay. In all honesty, one thing we would love to see, of course we want to get out into the high street and pray for people, of course we do. But at the same time, we would love, we have this little secret ambition that isn't secret, so I'm about to tell you, that we would love everyone who ever comes on a Sunday and calls this their home a couple of times in the year to come out with us, to come out and practice healing on the streets. Because... If you've seen, if you've come out into that setting and seen four backs healed, then when you go into your workplace and someone says, oh, just like that, then you'll think, well, I've seen it four times. Here we go. I'll do it now. So that's our dream. That's our plan. So please, please, please be available 29th, the evening of the 29th, Friday the 29th, Saturday during the day, 30th. And then we are asking Mark Marks to stay and speak on the Sunday as well. Um, who's possibly combining with a kid's takeover, which should be awesome. <laughs> I know, just let that sink in for a while as well. <laughs> that is, uh, is going to be fab. We had a wonderful time with Mike Andrea on Friday. Um, bless his heart, Alan Scott said, um, hook up with Mike Andrea, and it's, we've, it's taken us ages to find a time. Um, and he was the guy on the, on the left there, and he's part of Wildfire's festival. And what Wildfires Festival really is, is a group of people who are not interested in building something. They're not particularly interested in denominationalism, if there is such a word. If there isn't, should be. Uh, instead, they're a group of people who are saying, God, we want more. We want to see more. We want to see breakthrough. We want to see lives change where we're not seeing lives change. We want to see a great awakening. We want to see a revival of you in, in our cities and in our towns. We want to see you flooding through the streets. We want to see lives being transformed. That's what we long to see. And this isn't about church. It's not about building this. It's not about building that. It's simply a group of those people coming before God. So the story he told us was 
um, of a teenage girl who had said to God, I'm just, I'm done with you. My life's just a, a tip, a mess, and, and I, I'm not even really sure you're real. And she decided she wasn't going to go to the youth venue, but instead she was going to go to the adult venue that particular evening at Wildfires. And she said to God, well, if they don't sing Oceans, then I'm done. So she went in, and as Mike was telling us, he said, as it happens, Oceans wasn't even on our list of possible songs at all. But as it happens, there was a lull in the sung worship and just a sort of little bit of a break. And in that break, of the uh, 1,500, 2,000 people there, someone started to sing Oceans. And then everyone joined in. And then the band joined in the full worship team, and in the end, the whole place was singing oceans. This girl recommits her life to God, and her best friend, who she, was brought, who she brought with her, also gave her life to Jesus. That is really good news. Um, you can tell your hands to put themselves together at some point, if in a, re- in a repeated fashion. Um, I mean, we, we want, I, frankly, um, we want a little bit of what he's got. Um, Mike Andrea, he told us another story. This is nothing to do with wildfires, but they, they are a 24-7 prayer church. I haven't got time to explain that, but they, um, they do have a, a prayer room there. They had three people in the autumn who came to their warehouse in Thanet to meet with someone else or pick someone else up or something like that. And, three, uh, and they waited they had to wait in the, in the prayer room. There was nowhere else for them to wait. Three, these three people weren't together. This happened three times. The people who went in, these three people, different times, went in the prayer room, were so impacted by God's presence that they gave their lives to Jesus on the spot. With no one there. Just the presence of God. Just the presence of God. That's it. I'm jealous for that. I'll have a bit of that if that's on offer. Um... So um, we were so blessed to have Mike with us. It was um, wonderful. So we've been talking about family. A couple of weeks ago, I, it was a bit of an introduction, really. And when I say family, it's really about God as father and how we relate to God as father, etc. Last week, Nick talked really about how do we get in to the family? How do we become part of the family? And today, I'm talking about the family behavior code and what that actually means, the family behaviour code. Now, I think it would be fair to say that if you went and found Mr Joe Public out on the street and asked him about a behaviour code, he would say, of all the religions, Christianity has the strongest behaviour code that's most widely known, of all the thou shalt and thou shalt not. There's a, there's a set of things that are in, and there's a set of things that are definitely out, and you're not supposed to do that. And you'll hear it spoken of, well, that's not a very Christian thing to do. That thing. Well, you're not behaving much like a Christian. I hear it loads. Uh, not particularly spoken of me, but <laughs> yes, okay, when the cap fits, you know. Um, so you, you, hear that, you hear that quite a lot. That really all comes from the Ten Commandments that are found in the first, very first part of the Old Testament. And I'm not saying the Ten Commandments aren't valid, and I'm not saying the Ten Commandments don't have a place. I, I entirely am, and they, of course they have a place. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Um, but what I definitely am saying is that the Ten Commandments are no longer relevant 
to us living now. So I'm definitely not saying, oh, so does that mean, you know, a whole host of things that were out are now in, and I'm allowed to do the things that, you know, I can cover my neighbour's ox and ass and those kind of things, or uh, whatever, as it says. No. What it means is this. Jesus came, fulfilled the Old Testament, and said, I'm giving you greater level. I'm giving you a higher thing. It's to love one another. And actually, love covers over a multitude of sins and, and all these kind of things. So really linked in with the whole love thing is this behaviour code. I'm just calling it a behaviour code. It's not what the Bible calls it. It doesn't really matter. How do we behave as Christians? How should we behave? We talked before here about should we smoke? Is it okay to smoke? Is it okay to swear? We did, we did some of those things a few years ago. But actually, God is bringing us into a different season, a different time, when we can go beyond making a list of what you can do and what you can't do. Because, frankly, people who consider themselves Christians have argued over what's, what you can do and what you can't do for years. And it's just the most boring, fruitless, needless discussion. It doesn't get you anywhere. We're totally missing the point. If you go into a marriage, for example, working out, right, I need to agree terms beforehand of what I can get away with, I can't help thinking that you probably shouldn't be getting married. Because that's not really the right attitude. That's, that's not it. We're missing something. So I'm going to read from um, Matthew, the book of Matthew, which tells the story, some of the stories of Jesus. If you wish to follow, it's Matthew chapter 13. If you don't wish to follow, it's Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus had been telling a load of parables. And when he'd finished teaching these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this, isn't this the carpenter's son? This is Joe's boy, isn't it? Is that, isn't it? I think it's him. You know, Joe. Joe the chippy from around the corner. Made me a cracking coffee table last year. That guy, is it him? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters here with us? They don't even get named. Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offence at him. But Jesus said to them, "Oh, only in their own towns and in their own homes are prophets without honour. So what Jesus ends up saying, he goes to a place where people are very familiar with him and because their familiarity led to them having some wrong attitudes that meant Jesus couldn't do many miracles there. So basically, Jesus couldn't do what he wanted to do because he was being dishonoured by those people. Let me say that again. Jesus couldn't do what he was wanting to do because he was being dishonoured by those people that he went to see. So what was it they weren't doing? What was it that was happening in their minds? Now, familiarity breeds contempt and all that, yes. So we know they knew him, but the point was, they didn't really believe he had anything to offer them. They didn't hold him in any high regard. They didn't see him as who he was. They saw him as a bit of a, a, bit of a low, it's Joe's boy. Do you remember Joe, yeah? Joe, the one that had the dodgy thing with the wife, the disgraced lady, that, 
that Joe, oh, that Joe. Yes, yeah, his boy, isn't it? That's all right, they came from the East End around there. That's how they talked. And they couldn't, they couldn't treat him with the honour that he deserved, and so they couldn't receive from him what they were supposed to receive from him. There were people there that day and that time who missed out on God doing stuff in them because of the regard and the dishonour with which they held Jesus. Does that make sense? You got that bit? Okay, because then I can move on. It'll make a bit more sense. Let me give you an example. A teacher. A teacher has a class. Let's say it's a year nine bottom set maths class. Okay, air out. Yeah, any teachers here, you're going, oh, wow, really? Did you have to pick that year? A kid walks into that class and he sees the teacher, thinks, oh, honestly, this teacher, they're just useless. Oh, why do I have to put up with this? And they bring their bag in and they just drop it down on the desk, get out their pencil case. And then their book comes and... Right, yeah. Now, the teacher will definitely agree with me that this is a total waste of time for that student to even be in that class for the next hour. Because that student, by the positioning of their attitude, has already decided they're going to receive nothing from that person because they've totally dishonoured the teacher. By dishonoured, I don't mean misbehaved. Dishonouring is an attitude, and honouring is an attitude. Now, that student may say, but this teacher's rubbish. They'll have a degree, or at least a license. But anyway, probably a degree in maths. So actually, that teacher isn't rubbish. But do you know what? This is the crucial part. If you're going to write anything down today, write this down. Honour is not earned. It's offered. Honour isn't earned. It's offered. That teacher does not have to earn honour. It should be offered by the pupils. It's the same with pastors and leaders. It's a bit uncomfortable, um, but the Bible clearly says that leaders, um, particularly in church, are worthy of double honour, and they're like, wow, this feels a bit uncomfortable, and what does that exactly mean? And I've, seen, I've been in churches where they've really just, for my money, just not really grasped this thing. And so treating a pastor with honour means calling them pastor. Now, I'm not saying that is dishonouring. I'm not saying that's honouring. You can call someone pastor because they're a pastor and totally dishonour them because it's about heart attitude and it's something you're offering to them. So we, it's something we definitely don't do around here. We just feel it's a bit uncomfortable and a bit clumsy and a bit awkward, even though we've been calling Chris Pastor Chris and Pastor Tatton. Um, <laughs> I call it to him, partly because I know he doesn't like it, and partly because I keep reminding him that's what God's called him as. So actually, I'm calling, it, I'm calling him it in an honouring way. So the, the word for honour... The word for honour is a word called, which is a Greek word, time, which means to put a price on something. So when you honour someone, you are putting a price on that person. You are saying you've got something valuable that I, that I would benefit from. And you might say, what are you talking about? Leaders? You're talking about teachers? Do you know what? I'm talking about anyone, absolutely anyone that we come across 
we can offer them honour. Anyone. Nick and I watched an episode of Ambulance last night, which we do. We have to brace ourselves. We have to get the tissues out and whatever else, because it can be really hard watch sometimes. Um, and it's a programme, it's a fly-on-the-wall thing that follows um, ambulance crews around sort of thing. I mean, they know about it. It's not, it's not a weird thing. Um, anyway, there was, this, um, there was a girl, um, late teens, I think she was, and she'd been um, cutting herself with a glass bottle. She'd smashed a bottle and then been slashing herself with the glass, slashing her neck, her arm, whatever else. Um, and the ambulance crew went and picked her up. That's good. And she came in and her demeanour changed. They were actually at first not even sure they could approach her um, because she was almost being dangerous. But she came on board the ambulance and honestly, the thing that warms your heart about that more than anything else is the way you see the ambulance crews treat the people who come on board with such honour and dignity. And this um, ambulance um, lady, the one who was sat in the back with this girl, she went and um, they were going, sorry, they were going to hospital and she said to the, she said to the girl, what, what do you want for your life? And the girl said, I just want to sleep. And she said, what's your dream? What's the thing you're really good at? And I thought, Nick just reminded me of it. We, we commented, oh, how honouring is that? In the midst of this girl's brokenness, honour says, I'm going to call the thing out of you that I see. I'm going to call that thing out. That's what honour does. That's what we should be doing, not just here on a Sunday, but definitely here on a Sunday. We should be doing it everywhere we go. Every, all the people we bump into, all that, our boss, our underlings, whoever, whoever they are, our friends, the person at the checkout, the person at McDonald's drive through I said in the first service, Nick and I, we love waiters and waitresses because they're slightly captive and you, they have to give you their attention, which is brilliant because you can ask them, what's your dream? Do you know, I see this in you and you can call things out of them and, and, and amplify what you see God doing in them. You don't have to say a thus saith the Lord for it to mean something. You can call it out of them because they're made in God's image and you see something and you say, I want to honour that. I want to call that out. I want to draw that out of that person. Do you, see, do you see what I mean? Does that make some sense? So what would it look like if we did this? If everywhere we went, even just this one week, right? Even if I just set a challenge for the one week, every single person you come across, I don't care what you already know about them. I don't care what other people tell you about them. I don't even care what they say about themselves but you choose to believe the absolute best of them. So someone goes to gossip about them and you go, please don't talk about that person like that. Women are terrible for it. I'm sorry. I know it's a sweeping generalisation, but they are. Oh, I love a good gossip. Why? Why do you, what, to make you feel better about yourself by dissing someone else? I mean, what is that thing? Is your life that flappy and insecure that the only way you can feel better is to trash someone else? It's so dishonouring. It's just, it's not, it's not our behaviour code. It's not what God says. It's not what God says to do. That's not the way God treats us. What do you think he gossips about us to the whole of heaven? Oh, nightmare. Have you seen him this week? Gabriel goes, I know. 
please don't ever assign me to him. And in the Chris queue, there's just this, all these angels just going, Pooh, I'm out. That's not the way God treats us. God honours me. He crowns me with love and compassion, the Bible says. He's invited me into his family when I'm a nightmare. But he just loves me anyway. He just honours me anyway. He says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And you, really? And God says, yeah. I go, but God, you've seen me, right? And he says, yeah. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I just love you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you eternity. I'm going to give you function and form and power. I'm going to give you meaning and I'm going to give you intention and I'm going to give you all my love. I'm going to give you everything that I've possibly got that I can possibly give you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm just going to honour you. Do you realise that your name is written in heaven? That when you finally get to heaven and even when you ever said your yes to Jesus, have you any idea the party that let loose up there? Because they just want to honour you. And this is how God feels about us. And this is our mandate in how we treat other people. This is how it should be. What about if every single person we met this week, we waited for right opportunity, don't be weird about it, and called out what we see God doing in them? Just take a moment. Do you know what? Can I just say, you're so good at that. I really see that about you. Do you know, you're so creative. I love the way you organise stuff. I love the way your brain works. I think that's amazing. What's your dream? What would you love to do? Oh, I don't, I don't, oh. That's what people are doing in this country because they have no idea how to handle people honouring them because the, the, we are wired in the West, particularly in this country, that we diss people. That's what happens on Facebook. That's what it's for to diss people and Twitter and the newspapers that is their function I am so tired of hearing that Kate and Megan may have had a falling out <laughs> honour them if you've got nothing good to say leave them alone but if not why don't you call something out of them why don't you call something beautiful out of them, something strong out of them? Oh my goodness, there is enough stuff there that you can call out, right? And I'm just using them as a wild example. It could be anything, it could be anyone. In the book of John, John says this, for when, Jesus says this, recorded by John, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. See that? Basically, Jesus is saying, if you go and love people the way I've loved you, everyone will immediately go, you're a, you're a Jesus guy, aren't you? It's that obvious. It should be that obvious. And yes, because we lay hands on people and we do other things as well, and there's the supernatural, but let's just start with honouring people. That is the behaviour code. That is the tension that we're held in. Now, the thing is, it is never earned. It is always offered. So what people do is this. I've heard this a thousand times and I try to do it in myself, but I know too well that I can't get away with it. I don't have to treat them well because they treat me terribly. I don't have to treat them well because actually they are just horrible. I mean, they are just a wrong and they're just a nasty piece of work. So I don't have to, I, I'm not treating them with any honour. Yeah. You see, the awkward thing is, 
The awkward thing is we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. And may I ask, why are you letting someone else's behavior determine yours? That's not what we're called to. God never lets my behavior determine his. He just loves me extravagantly and honors me anyway. So why, why are we stooping ourselves down? Someone was horrible to, well, I'm going to be horrible to them because they were horrible to me. I will blank them because they blank me. What is this, the playground? That's not how it works. This is the kingdom, right? Someone treats you badly and you just love on them anyway. If you've got a slightly twisted edge, just know that it's really annoying them. <laughs> but at least love them anyway. Just honour them anyway. Smile and say hello. Even when they can't even look at you, smile and say hello anyway. Don't have to be smug about it, but just know that that's how God treats us. And we can honour people in that way. In the book of Peter, later on, Peter speaks to, um, he's writing to all the churches. And he says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Ooh, serving others. This is really awkward. What, I've got to serve people I find annoying? Yeah, it's part of honouring someone, is you serve them. I've got this really good idea. Next time your boss asks you to do something, say, of course. Next time a leader in some way over you, even a politician, says this, say, of course. Don't have to agree. But that's part of honouring. That is part of honouring. It's really uncomfortable, as I can tell, because it's virtually silent in here. <laughs> but what if we believed the best of people, spoke well of them, we called out God in them, we celebrated them, we appreciated people, we placed them above us, we do as asked, we say, how can I serve you? Is there some way I can serve you? Is there some way I can help if you want to find a more natural word? Is there some way I can help? And we don't have to reserve it for in here. Why don't we find, in every situation, why don't we find whatever the lowest position is and then go lower than it? so that we can elevate other people and honour them. It really has gone quiet. This is what God is calling us to. This is the family behaviour code. Get rid of the shouts and shout nots and all that kind of thing. Don't worry about those. They're, they're, there's something far greater than those. They're not, they're not unimportant. They're just not necessary anymore. What's necessary is to start treating people with honour, that we bestow on them, we offer them a value. We say, you are worth this to me. You are invaluable to me. It's something you offer. It's not, I will be honoured. Please call me this. Please wash my car. I was in a church once where they, where they used to get hold of the vicar at the door, the pastor at the door, and they would carry his Bible for him because they were trying to honour him. What is that? That's just stupidity. It's just daft. It's just gone wrong, honestly. And um, Dave Britton, bless his heart, after the first service, came and took my Bible and said, where would you like it carried? <laughs> he nearly got a knee where the sun doesn't shine, I'll tell you. Because um, that's, that's, that's not what it's about. That's where it's gone a bit wrong and having to call someone pastor, all those kind of things. 
It's seeing that every single person, even if they theologically disagree with you, even if their life is a total train wreck, they are made in God's image. And just one moment with you could be the thing that draws something out of them that restores their hope. Just one moment with you. If we would just spot them and see how we can honour them. Does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying? Can you imagine if we all, just us, don't worry about service one, dodgy lot, but just us, service two, if just us went out and did this all week, everyone we met, and if you've got a day where you're like, well, I've been sat in most of the day, tell you what, go out. <laughs> go out, like deliberately. What? For what reason? To see people. I'm on an honouring hunt. <laughs> I don't know, that has now gone weird. <laughs> Have a cap. I'm on an honouring hunt. I've come to honour you. No, it's gone wrong. But imagine if that's what we, just us, 120 whatever it is, thousand people in this place, right now this morning in here, probably 120, that's a thousand people each. But imagine if we built up just five people this week that we said we want to spot something about them and just honour them, honour that thing about them. Can you imagine what a transformation would start taking place? Jesus said, people will know that you're a follower of me, but for that reason. Do you honestly think that people have really got a list of the Ten Commandments and they're looking at you all the time trying to check them off? People have got better things to do. But the one thing that people will always remember is how you treated them, how they were left feeling when you walked away. Let me say that again. People will always remember how they were left feeling when you walk away. We have this opportunity to bring honour to so many people as Father God brings honour to us. Let's stand. We're going to pray. In the first service, in the bit in the middle, we ended up praying for Paul and Rosie Kirsch because they... God has called them on and they are, they're not moving, but they are moving church. They're going to support um, a church in Tenterden. It's a great thing. It's a God thing. It's wonderful. And we came up and prayed for them. Um, they sort of said a little bit about it. We came and prayed for them. And then they went back to their seat. And there was the most pathetic round of applause I think I've probably ever heard. And this isn't to blame anyone. It's not that. But I would love it if as Ashford Vineyard, we started to model something out into Ashford. And as I gave the example in the first service, I said, imagine if as Paul and Rosie had finished being prayed for and they started to walk back to their seats, imagine if everyone stood up and started properly clapping. And yes, and good for you for listening out for God. We bless you. You go for it. Woo, yeah, come on, like this. And I said, imagine... If people started doing that, they'd probably go red, they'd be embarrassed, tough. Can you imagine they get back to their seat, they sit down in their seat, that's the social cue for you to stop. Imagine if everyone carried on. Five minutes of just cheering them, cheering them. Can you imagine what that would do to them? Can you imagine the difference? We all need someone who claps us every now and then. And not because we perform well, da 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 And then someone claps, but like, I'm going to clap you just for who you are. We're, we're clapping. We were trying to clap Paul and Rosie for who they are. 
not because they've done something really good. So we would love to see that transformation. This is the behavior code. So Father, that is how you treat us. It's very easy to think that you effectively clap us because we do something well, but you clap us just because of who we are, which we find absolutely ridiculous, but it's true. Father, we have not earned honor from you. You just give us honor. It's something you offer to us. Father, as we go out this week, as we go out from here and we encounter person after person after person, will you please keep nudging us in the ribs to ask the question, how can I offer honor to this person? Father, we want to become a people who are known for walking, not in agreement and everyone always having to do the same thing, but we walk with an honor that binds us and unites us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.